I'm not going to be starting a new series tonight. What I'd like to start tonight is a movement above ground. God's people are so grounded that we need to get above ground. We need to learn to live in heavenly places. But we'll never get there until we get the unction to function in the Spirit of God to rise above our failures and our doubts and our past and our disbelief. What better book to go to concerning this issue than the book of Romans chapter 8? The book of Romans chapter 8, share three verses with you tonight for our beginning text. The book of Romans begins with no condemnation. It ends this chapter, no separation. And in between is the great inspiration of God's power to keep and to save our lives and give us hope in this world. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. And uh, I have enjoyed studying this, looking at it. What a beautiful chapter. In fact, you could preach from Romans chapter 8 for the rest of our lives. It is so rich and so powerful. There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in, everybody say in, Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, everybody say in, Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, for and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. I want to use for a subject no condemnation. You may be seated. I'd like to live this year completely void of any condemnation. In verse 1, you find freedom from self. There's therefore now no condemnation. In verse 2, you find spiritual freedom. In verse 3, you find God interfering with sin's power. And if God be for us, who can be against us? This is such a spectacular thing that we can look at. And, and you know, I used to spend a lot of time on the there is therefore now, 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 now. But then I got to thinking about it. Now is, it's real time today. No is, or it speaks of for all time. We need to understand that God says no to our failures. He's going to give us victory. God is a good God. And the phrase, there is therefore no condemnation, simply means no belittling from God, no fault finding from God, no pushing fear from God, no hate toward us from God. It's just a beautiful thing when you stop and consider no self-punishment from God, no past guilt from God. Many times we are our worst enemy. We really are. And the truth is we need to, be, we need to have freedom from ourself. If you ever get freedom from yourself, you're free indeed. Because Jesus come to set us free. And if you know the truth, it shall make you free. And the devil doesn't want us to understand that we are free in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Now there's always that preacher or always that spiritual 
quote, unquote, spiritual person that is going to make your life miserable if they get a chance. Honestly. We, preachers as well as people that are, they deem themselves spiritual can be so negative toward those that are struggling. God didn't call us to be negative toward others. He called us to be a positive post, a positive surge in people's lives. We've got that guilt complex so rich in us that when you read Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. We take the remainder of that verse and it says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So we use the half of that verse to beat ourselves to death. Well, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Oh, but brother, you got to walk in the Spirit. What if I was to tell you that that last phrase of verse 1 is not saying, um, not giving us an indictment who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's making a statement. God's people don't walk after the flesh. They walk after the Spirit. That's a statement. This whole verse is a statement. There is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Why? They've been changed. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. They've been set free from themselves. I want to talk to you, first of all, about freedom from self. And there are so many people that need freedom from self. They need freedom from their past. They need freedom from their disappointments. They need freedom from their lack of ability. They need freedom. And Jesus came to give us freedom. And one of the things we do is we go right back into the jail cell we got out of and shut the door behind us. Amen? We certainly do. We get out. We're happy. We're thrilled. We're having a good time. We're just like Otis on Mayberry RFD. We just go back in and shut the door on us. Hello? I'm not saying you get drunk, but you do get drunk in guilt and shame and fear, and you get drunk in the inadequacy of your life. But we need to be people that have full assurance. And Jesus come to give us full assurance. It's just in us to immediately try to make our salvation works. It's just literally embedded in us to immediately try to put ourselves down when God is always trying to get ourselves up. We need a movement above ground. We need, to quit, we need to quit being grounded in our past and grounded in our disbelief and grounded in our sins of our past. For Jesus come to set us free from ourself. Freedom from self is a wonderful thing. And when you get full assurance of who Jesus is and what he did for you, you can have freedom from yourself. The phrase there is therefore now, now is real time today. That's now's today. No speaks of for all time, forever, for eternity. And what we do is, is we get caught up in our abilities, thinking that we've got to do a certain thing in order to please God, when the fact is God did everything in order to please himself so that we can walk in his glory and give God praise. You know, God gets the glory when we sever ourselves from sin. God gets the glory when we walk in freedom and love. God gets the glory when we're happy children of God. God gets the glory when we're walking in the victory of God. God gets the glory when we love him and serve him. God gets the glory when we do sin, we crumble at the feet of Jesus Christ, for we are not to sin. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. So I want to talk to you about some of these things tonight that I believe will help you understand just how serious God is about us being free from our past, free from our sin. 
My favorite verse is Philippians 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing. He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who's doing the performance? He is, not, not I. He that began a good work in me. Who began the work? Jesus did. Shall perform it until when? Until the day of Jesus Christ. Who's performing? Him. Who began the good work in you and I? Him. Who performs that good work in you and I? Him. That leaves only one thing left. I'm confident. I'm confident. And we need to be sure of the goodness of the Lord, being confident of this very thing. We, he which has begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. John chapter 8, verse 11, remember the lady caught in adultery? And everybody wanted to get their stones and throw rocks at her and kill her. And they said to Jesus, Moses says she's to die. What do you say? And Jesus Christ said, well, you that is without sin, let him cast a stone first at her. And they all dropped their stones and walked away. <laughs> she's standing there right in the presence of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ says to her, where are your accusers? She said, they're all gone. They walked away. And Jesus said, have they not condemned you? She said, no, no man condemned me. He said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus is a Savior. One day he'll be a judger. One day he'll bring judgment. But for now, he is a Savior. And he brings life to us. John 5, 24. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, or verily, verily. That word verily, verily means amen and amen. I say to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that has sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. So he says, if you believe on him that sent me, Jesus Christ said. If you believe my word, he that hears my word, the words of Jesus, and you believe in whom sent me, Jesus Christ said, you will not come, but you'll have everlasting life, and you'll not con come into con condemnation, but will pa be passed from death unto life. I'm glad I passed. You say, well, one day I'll pass unto life. Done did it. I've already passed. Amen? God gives every child of his a passing grade. Amen? I'm so grateful for the fact that I have passed from death unto life. I have full freedom, freedom from myself, full assurance. Now, you're not going to have full freedom from yourself or full assurance until you get a full knowledge of what Jesus Christ did for you. And verse 1, 2, and 3 tells it all. Chapter 8 just covers the cake with thick icing. And inside is that smuggled in hacksaw of the gospel for you to break out of jail. Amen. We've been acquitted. By the grace of God, charges have been dropped because of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Verse 1 tells us, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. It ends with no separation. Now, a Christian, when he gives his heart to Christ, a Christian, he wants to be free from himself. A sinner that's lost on his way to hell, he does not want to be free from himself. So the fact that you have a gnawing in your soul to be free from yourself tells me that you've had a connection with God. God's children struggle till they get to the peak of the mountain. God's children struggle until they break the gravitational guilt pull and rise above the ground to know that Jesus Christ has got it all covered. 
He's got our back. He's got our front. He's got our, to our right, to our left. He's got it all. He, he circles around us with his grace and his mercy. Amen? Come on now. I'm preaching better than you're responding. So not only do we have freedom from self, and there are people that need to be free from their past. They've been forgiven of their past, but they need to be free from their past. And God has already forgiven you of your past, so there's only one thing left. Walk off. Walk away from your past. Your past will die. It'll just blow away. And if anybody says anything, who is he that condemneth God's servant? God that justifies. It's Jesus that died and rose again from the grave. Who cares what anybody says about our past? As long as our past has been washed in the blood of Christ and God has touched our life, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. And get that notion out of your head that you feel guilty and feel ashamed. Yes, sin is shameful, but don't get to the place where you're grounded and can't get anywhere with God because God has separated you from your guilty past. He's cleansed you. Amen. In fact, Paul talks about this problem. In the last two verses of chapter 7, Apostle Paul is a Roman citizen. He's also a Jew that's been delivered and forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. But as a Roman citizen, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then he answers it in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one that delivers us from the body of this death. So then with the mind, with my spirit, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The picture that Paul is given here in verse 24 and 25 is a lost Saul. He's lost. He doesn't know God. He's struggling for his salvation because he's been trained under Gamaliel, the, the great teacher of the Jewish people. And Saul is trying desperately to please God under the legalism of the law and the flesh. And he's trying his best to please God. And he says, my pursuit of God's holiness in my life, my pursuit of God's blessing in my life is like what the Romans do when someone murders another man. And before they decide the time of execution or if there's some doubt as to why the man killed another man, the Romans would tie, chain the dead body to the person who committed the crime. And the person who committed the crime would drag that dead body around drag a decaying, maggot-infested, rotten, stitch body around. Let me tell you, if you kill someone and the Romans tied you to that, tied that dead body to you and you drug it around a while, you'd think twice before you kill anybody else. And Paul is using this as, a, as an illustration. My body is decomposing. My body is wretched before God. My body is rotten before God. I have a desire to serve God, but here I am. I'm wretched, verse 24, chapter 7. Who shall deliver, deliver me from the body of this rotten death of mine? And then in verse 27 says, it's Jesus. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind that would be spirit, with the spirit I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So now we've got the law of sin we've got to deal with. And I'm going to deal with it because it's in verse 2. It deals with the law of sin. And uh, this is a powerful statement right here. Because what happens is, is we tend to kind of kick the can down the road. I don't want us in this new year to kick the can down the road. The can of the past. The can of the, of the fear. The can of inadequacy. I don't want us to kick the can down the road. 
because there'll always be a can to kick down the road. But when you read verse 1 of, of Romans 8, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them, them that are in Christ Jesus, so we're not a can kick down the road. We are not a can kick down the road. And we should not spend our life kicking a can down the road. Because the can will always come up at our feet and we need to just kick it away and just keep going. We don't kick our problem down the road. We kick it off the road. And we march on for Jesus Christ. I want to honest show of hands. How many as a young child you kicked a can down the road? I've done that. Amen. I remember one time I found this one of this old lard, Crisco lard can. Back when it had can, it was made out of tin. You know what I'm talking about? Crisco lard. We're talking about hog lard. Make good biscuits. And, and Mama got done making biscuits, and it was empty, and she threw the old, the old uh, can outside. We had a junkyard. Everybody ought to have a junk pile in the backyard growing up. Everybody had a junkyard. Mom just threw the Crisco can out, a gallon can pretty much, and there was still some Crisco in it, not much but a little in it. And I thought, that would be a wonderful can to kick down the road. And we lived on a hill. And we just, I decided that I'd get that can, and I'd put it up on top of the hill and down to the bottom of the hill, and I'd kick that Crisco can down the hill. I got it all situated, and I wasn't thinking as a little boy. I left the opening part of the can in front of my foot. I hauled off and kicked it. I kicked it hard enough to go down to the bottom of the hill, and my foot got stuck in the Crisco can. And I limped around, I struggled as I tumbled down the hill a ways. That's what some of you do as a child of God. You've not matured, you've not grown enough in the Lord, and you're kicking your past down the road. Get your foot out of it. Amen? Every Sunday morning, I see people that look like they stepped in it. I'm serious. And even Wednesday night, people come in and look like they've stepped in it. You say, what do you mean in it? Past. Your guilt, your shame. But Jesus Christ has delivered us from that. Get out of the junk pile. You got, there's better things to entertain you than the junk pile of your guilt and past. There's better things to entertain you than the junk pile of your life. Let it go. Let it go. March on for Jesus Christ because there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. There is no uh, 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 shame. There is no guilt. There is no belittling. There is no fault finding. There is no uh, 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 pulling down of oneself. There is no past. It's all gone. There is therefore now, right now, in this place, no condemnation, never in the future. Christ has swiped it clean, and God says there will be no condemnation of you. There'll be no persecution of you by, by me. There'll be no guilt sent to you by my son. It's all good from here. Jesus Christ, you come to Jesus Christ and with God, it's all good from here to there. Yeah. Woo! I done preached myself happy. I was happy when I got here. I'm double happy. Don't kick the can down the road. In this year, this new year coming, don't kick the can down the road. Because we are free from our freedom from self. And there's only one person that can give us freedom from self. It's not you. You don't have it in you. But Jesus Christ can give you freedom from yourself. He can give you full assurance. That when you leave this world, you'll be in the hands of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ has saved your soul. Not only does he give us freedom from ourselves, but he gives us spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom. Remember Paul said, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He said, now in my spirit, my mind, I myself serve the law of God, verse 25, but with my flesh, the law of sin. And so Paul here in verse 24 and 25 of Romans 7 is lost. 
But in verse 8, he saved. Isn't that good? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk now not after the flesh, <laughs> but after the Spirit. God changed my life, set me free from the body of this death, and gave me a spirit walk with God because God lives in me. Verse 2 tells about freedom or spiritual freedom. Look at verse 2. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus the law of the spirit of what? Life. The law of the spirit of what? Life. The law of the spirit of what? Life. Has made me free from the law of sin and death. Woo! I'm free. I'm free from the death of sin. I'm free from the sting of sin. I'm free from the graveyard. I'm free from my past. I'm free from my discouragement. I'm free from my loss. I'm free from my pain. I'm free from my sorrow. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I don't have to kick a can down the road. Verse 9, Romans 8. But ye are not in the flesh. See, the devil wants to tell you that you're in the flesh, but if you're a born-again child of God, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I, I have the Spirit of Christ, and the Spirit of Christ is what delivers me from myself and is what gives me spiritual freedom. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have spiritual freedom. And I want to talk to you about that spiritual freedom just for a minute. Because that spiritual freedom is something that many of you don't understand. And I didn't even understand as a young convert. But I want you to understand that spiritual freedom is incredible. It's kind of like this. Gravity is always at work. Gravity is always pulling down. Just like in Romans 7, 24 and 25. Gravity is always at work. But, thank God to our Lord Jesus Christ, gravity can be overcome. Gravity always works. It's always at work. It's always pulling down. But when an airplane gets on the runway, you see, that gravity is always at work, but it can be overcome when that airplane gets on the runway and that airplane begins to roll down the runway and begins to run down the runway, thrusting the booster of fuel and begins to make its ascent up into the sky through even though the gravity's trying to pull it back down, even though gravity keeps trying to, it's still at work, there is something greater, something more powerful inside that plane that takes that plane above the gravity, and the gravity is powerless. And as a child of God, gravity is always pulling on us. Things are always pulling down, trying to pull us down, but there's something in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's something in us, the Holy Spirit of God. There's something in us, there's power, just like there's something in that plane, and that plane, that, that which is inside that plane defies the gravitational pull, and that plane goes up in the sky and flies among the clouds. Is the gravity still working? Yes, it is. But the power inside that plane keeps it above ground, and I want you to know the power of Christ inside of us keeps us above ground. There's something more powerful than the gravity of sin. There's something more powerful. It's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and we're free from the spirit of the law of sin and death. Why? Because the law of sin and death has been defied by the thruster boosters of God's power taking us off 
the, this planet into the presence of God, taking us into the presence of the Lord, and we can defy the gravity. I defy sin because of Jesus Christ. I defy my past because of Jesus Christ. I'm not going back. I'm moving too fast to go back. Amen. I love that, don't you? Wow. Something in us is more powerful than the gravitational pull of the law of sin and death. It's that quickening power that is in us, giving us strength to ascend above the powers that be and walk in the fullness of God. Why? Number one, we have freedom from self. There is therefore now no condemnation. Full assurance. Number two, verse two, spiritual freedom. Verse three, God interferes with sin's power. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. God interferes with sin's power. Look at verse 3. For what the law could not do. That doesn't mean the law was weak. The law wasn't weak. The law is pure. But what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Our flesh is weak. The law is not weak, but our flesh is weak. What the law could not do. God says, I can do it. And God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, Jesus condemned sin by his holy flesh. God interfered with sin. I'm so glad that God has interfered with sin's power. What, what could not be done for you and I on our own ability, what could not, the, the law only condemned us and pushed us deeper into the ground. What could not be performed, God says, I'm going to interfere with sin's power. What the law could not do in verse 3, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sends his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was not sinful, but he came in flesh like ours. And because of sin and for sin, because of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You say, how did Jesus condemn sin in the flesh? He took it to the cross. He put it to death. He crucified it and said, it's done. And Jesus took our past and nailed it to the cross. Jesus took our shame and nailed it to the cross. Jesus took our, our, our weaknesses and nailed it to the cross. Jesus took our hell and nailed it to the cross. Jesus took our separation and nailed it to the cross. Jesus took everything, uh, our sins and our oppression, he nailed it to the cross. And and, and separated us from the law of sin and death. He came and died and he condemned sin. How did he do it? He lived perfect in the flesh. Jesus lived holy in the flesh. Jesus went healing the sick, raising the dead. Jesus brought that holy flesh of God to the cross of Calvary and the holy blood of God oozed out of the holy flesh of God and the Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God condemned my hell, condemned my wrath, condemned my judgment, condemned it all and says, now I don't have to condemn you. God don't want to condemn you. There is no condemnation. No condemnation. No belittling. When someone criticizes you and brings up your path, I can just hear God say from the throne, No! No condemnation. No separation. No matter what the devil brings, Romans chapter 8 begins with no condemnation and ends in this great chapter with no separation. 
Nothing between verse 1 of Romans chapter 8 and the last verse of Romans chapter 8. Nothing in between can separate us from the love of God. Nothing in between your turning to Jesus Christ and the day you draw your last breath. There's nothing on this planet that can sever you from the magnificent power and glory and love of God. And then you have other people want to push you back under the law. They want to say, you're not perfect. Tell me something I don't know. Always someone wants to find fault. There's always someone that wants to make the gospel harder. There's always someone that wants to make it impossible. I got news for you. The impossible has been done. You're born again by the Spirit of God. To be born again by the Spirit of God is an impossible thing. To put away our sins past is impossible. But Jesus came and did the impossible. And through him we live forever. I've shared this. I've shared this illustration before, but it's such a good one. You go to a hospital or a big sky rise building. You go into the bottom floor and you just walk into this elevator. The elevator doors open up. You step inside. You push the button. And a voice says, going up. I could have used the other illustration, going down, but it's going up. And you get in that elevator and you ride 10 floors up. You get out and you still have breath. Your weeks are not, your legs are not buckling. <sighs> but you, if you'd have took the stairs, the fire department and the paramedics would have had to go in and bring you out. And there's way too many Christians that decided to take the stairs when they need to take Jesus Christ and what he did for us and step into the magnificent glory of God and hear God say, going up. So, well, that's just too easy, really. Um, for you to get in that elevator, there had to be an engineer. First, there had to be a master who invented it. Then there had to be an engineer to put it together. And then they had to have steel and mortar and all the bricks and all the machinery to make that thing move. And there's hours and hours of labor in that elevator. That elevator has steel. That elevator has concrete. That elevator has cables that are huge, huge enough to take you to the 10th floor. That elevator is incredible. You get in it, and all you do is push a button, go! But it wasn't that easy. Somebody had to make the elevator. Somebody had to make the cable. Somebody had to make, uh, you know, forge the steel. Somebody had to make it. And, and so that you can walk in and just step in there, and the door opens up, and you push a button. Going up. And Jesus is the one that created the elevator to take us home. Jesus is the one that engineered the making of the salvation for our soul. Jesus is the one that sweated and toiled on the cross of Calvary. Jesus is the one that labored through the Old Testament, New Testament of the glorious salvation of Christ. Jesus is the one. God the Father is the one that so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. God is the one that made it possible so that you and I could walk into an elevator, God's elevator, and hear the words going up. But then you've got hundreds, thousands, millions of Christians that want to take the stairs. Not me. I don't want to take the stairs. I don't want to, you know, earn my way to the top floor. Because I won't. 
I can't. Bless God, I can do it. Try going a trillion stairways up. Try going a trillion light years up. Well, that's ridiculous. I couldn't do that. And it's ridiculous to think that you can earn your salvation. It's ridiculous to think that you can prove to God something that, wow, there's a wild zowie. There's a guy that really needs to go to heaven because he is so awesome. Don't mention something. God, don't, don't say wow zowie. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. Wow. There's a guy. He's got it together. Nope, there, there isn't one on planet earth. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Now, there are times when God marvels at our faith. He marvels at the great faith that we share in Him. But remember, the great faith that we share in Him, it, it doesn't say that God marveled at your great work. It doesn't say that God marvels at your great talent. It said that Jesus marveled at their faith, their great faith. And what was their faith in? Not themselves. Their faith was in Jesus Christ, God Almighty. Amen. Now, I'm convinced the shout from heaven when the rapture takes place is going to be probably, Hallelujah! Because that's the word that's known all around the world. It probably won't be a trumpet, it'll just be a sound like a trumpet. I don't believe the world will hear it. I believe the church will hear it. And we'll be caught up. And we won't have time because it'll be in the twinkling of an eye, one fiftieth thousandth of a second. Change that quick, taken out. That's what it means by twinkling of an eye. It's time to say Biologists say that it's one fiftieth thousandth of a second. That's how quick God can change you. But it could be when he steps down into the clouds, it may not be hallelujah. It may be going up. And if you're in the stairway, they'll be prying you out of the debris. Because you ain't going. Because one way to be saved is only total trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you mix any works, if you mix any of your ability, then it's not faith. Faith is corrupted when you mix law with it and you mix works with it. Your faith is corrupted. It has to be totally, completely leaning heavily on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Where does works come in? Now. Yeah, we should work for the Lord, but not to be saved, but to be full of gratitude for what God has done for us. Yeah, we should work for the Lord. I'm kind of excited about some rewards. Amen. I'm excited about rewards. So I'm going to work for the Lord. I don't know how many rewards I'll get, but it's not going to be that I'm saved because I preach. It's not going to be that I'm saved because I do anything. I'm saved because of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Amen? And so I stop and think about that. And I had a dream last night. And, you know, it's really bad when, when the preacher starts talking about having a dream. But uh, I'm not going to write a book about it. And I... <laughs> And then I'm going to build a series about it. I had a dream. But I did have a dream. And I dreamed that a light was coming upon the earth and it was going to be so brilliant that everybody on planet earth was ordered, get in your bunker. Get down in the basement. Close the curtains. Don't look at the light when it comes. Don't look at the burning light that's going to come. It was a solar flare actually in the dream. When it comes across the planet, everything that's upside in the crust of the earth will be burned. And in my dream, people are scurrying to the bunkers, they're scurrying to the basements, they're scurrying down to the bottom floor of the house, they're closing the windows. And what am I doing? 
I see it. It's coming. And I'm standing there looking at this light coming. And I'm thinking, oh, my, that looks gorgeous. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you're fried. You're gone. You're dead. And when that light finally came, that solar flare finally came and and enveloped me, it took me. And I was okay. Everything was all right. But everybody that hid in the bunkers, everybody that shut the windows, everybody that hid under the, the, the structures were burned to a crisp. And I stood there saying, wow. It wasn't a solar flare. It was Jesus flaring. And then I woke up with Judy's knees in my back. But anyway. <laughs> she stimulates me for, you know, for visions and dreams and nightmares. As I said before, I dreamed one night snakes were crawling all over me. It was cold. I dreamed. I woke up and it was just Judy's legs all over me in her arms. <laughs> Charlie ain't on there. There's no condemnation to them there in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Gayla gave Judy and a, a nice fur coat. And every time I hug her, I feel like I'm hugging an animal. Man. She says, that's not nice. I said, you know, it's not nice, but it is a pretty fur coat. She looks gorgeous in it. She looks very pretty in it. I want you to know there is no condemnation to anyone in this room. If you have Christ in your life, don't live in darkness. Get above the ground. Let the thruster boosters of God's love take you above like an airplane. Because that which is in you can take you above the ground. Gravity is still be pulling. Gravity will still be doing its job. Satan will still be raging. Problems will still be around us. But you can defy that by allowing God to launch you higher than you've ever been. To thrust yourself because that which is in you has taken you beyond the law of sin and death and brought you into the law of life and the spirit, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? No condemnation. No condemnation. The past? Nope. Won't do it. Failures? Nope. Won't do it. No condemnation. That's forever settled, forever. Once you are in Christ Jesus, there is no, no condemnation. None. No fear. No dread, no hell, no wrath of God upon your soul, no brokenness of your heart and your life because you've done wrong. If you self-repent, that's different. If there's self-contrition, that's different. But God is not going to beat you because there is no punishment to the child of God. Now, down the road... There'll be judgments for what we do and and awards. And I do think God chastens his children by the Spirit. There are those that say, well, God punishes you when you get sick physically. Um, I believe that God chastens his children spiritually, not physically. You may disagree with what I just said, but I believe God chastens his people spiritually, not physically. And there's been so much condemnation on people's lives because they get sick and then they think, what did I do wrong? Is God punishing me? Well, that ain't how it works. God grieves our spirit. He chastens our spirit. You say, well, what does he do when he goes after your flesh? He kills you. He just takes you out. 
It's called the sin unto death. But God does deal with my spirit. He chastens me. He deals with me. But there's no condemnation. There's no. There's, God is not pushing us down. There's no. God's not going to in the end say, well, look at you, what you did, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Jesus Christ has delivered us from the law of sin and death. There is no. That's hard to get in people's minds. It, it is so cemented in us. It's so concreted in us. Well, you got to do something, you know. If you don't do something, God's going to be down on you. It's all, it's all cemented in us. Well, you know. Even in that verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation there in Christ Jesus. And then we take the last part of that verse, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That isn't saying there's no condemnation to them in Christ Jesus if you live perfect. That isn't what that's saying. It's not saying there is no, therefore no condemn, condemnation to them in Christ Jesus if you don't sin anymore. That's not what that verse is saying. That verse is saying there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who God has changed them, God has recreated them, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen. Isn't that good? Stand with me. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Say, yeah, but preacher, what about this? Don't let that Pharisee rise up in you. Don't let that Sadducee get up in you. Don't, don't, don't allow that Pharisee to rise up in you and say, well, you know. I just... Don't do that. Why don't we let Jesus be as glorious as he is? Why don't we allow Jesus to be glorious and powerful? Why? Let's don't take from his power. Let's don't, take, let's don't avoid the power of Jesus Christ. Let's don't take from what he did for us. He provided us complete salvation. The Bible says, Apostle Paul in Ephesians you are complete in Him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You're fully furnished in Christ Jesus. You are complete in Jesus. You're not incomplete. You're complete in Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Josh, go ahead. <laughs>